What's up? What's up? We are back. It is the SoCo Show, episode number 130. This is, of course, the co-host, Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by the so-host, Seth Ott. Do you uh, just try and find a new way to say hello every week? I'll tell you what happens. Uh, this Here's a little inside baseball for the folks at home. Uh, I, every week, start the theme song, and then while it's playing, I go, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, I forgot how I start the show. And so by the time the like, by the time that part starts, I'm like, okay, just whatever is in your head, just say it now. And so that's, that's usually what comes out. So there you go. So this week, whatever it is, I just said, what's up, what's up? Or last week it was yiggity yo. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, that's, it's just whatever is on top of my head at that time. That's, that's what you get. So there you go. I, I feel like, you know, instead of maybe scrambling at the last second, you should, uh, Actually, no. You know what? Just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I prefer that. <laughs> I was gonna. Uh, this podcast, much like everything else in my life, would be far easier if I took the t- more time to prep. Um, mm. But uh, also, fuck that. Uh, I think I think the relative the relative lack of professionalism that we that we illustrate in our podcast is part of our charm, and I think that's what the listeners come for. Yeah, I mean. Preparation is very important in a, in a lot of aspects of life, but I, I'm 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 the same way with you. I, I I tend to just say fuck it. Like last date I went on, I I was gonna prepare and wash my underwear, but instead I just threw on the the pair I'd been wearing for the last four days straight. So here's here's where we are. I'm still did single. She, I was gonna say she didn't subscribe to you, did she? No, she she uh, about halfway through she said, uh, "Can we move away from the bathroom?" And then we did, and then. Uh, well, let's just say she left not too too long after. Oh no, that's that's gross. I uh, wish you hadn't told me about your stinky balls costing you a date. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> nasty. I suppose that's okay. Yeah, uh, I will say I know people are concerned. Uh, we do prepare. Like I, I usually am prepared for the podcast. I wear a condom almost every time. <laughs> and so I don't want anyone to worry about us. Like we're 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 gonna be okay. We're not gonna catch podcasts. Well. Chlamydia. I don't. I can't. I couldn't think of a well, snappy. <laughs> that, that's good to fucking know because you never wore more when you lived here. Well, no, that's true. Bible Belt, baby. Uh, <laughs> didn't didn't need to. We were, we were protected by. I, I, that's not by the Lord. Bit I want to start. Yeah, the Lord was prote- the, the Lord was protecting my gonads, and the Lord <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is absent in Oregon. The, so the, the Lord careful. is protecting my gonads. <laughs> Is either the title of this episode or of your, of your autobiography? <laughs> if I find Jesus at some point in my life, that's gonna be that's gonna be the the autobiography for the time period that led me to finding Jesus. That's gonna be good. I didn't think wow. we would talk about Jesus and your balls in the same sentence, but but we did it. Yeah, see, this is what happens when you don't prepare. You get podcast gold like that. And what's <laughs> what's uh, what's hilarious to me is I just got a notification on my phone that the State of the Union address is about to start. So <laughs> somewhere in the world, people are listening to the president talk about very important things on TV, and we're talking about balls. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the SoCo Show. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, lots of ball talk throughout the show today, um, but even more... We're going to talk about the Oscars, guys. Uh, the Oscars are this weekend, and so we will be making our picks for the third annual, crazy to think it's been three times now, third annual Oscar game 
you saw an episode pop up this week describing the Oscar game and connecting you to a link where you can go in and um, and and participate in the game. We will make sure and include that same link on this week's episode, and we'll talk about how to play when we do that later. Uh, we also are going to get back to the new release exam. We're going to look forward to the month of February. Got a bunch of things to review and uh, a couple a couple sad departures uh, from the TV corner. So a lot of stuff to get into. We're going to dive right in, and we're going to start like we always do with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. Iron Sheik, he's been tweeting a lot about football and and sports in general. Uh, but I think we're gonna start going going to back some going back to some uh, classic Sheik material. Um, he starts off today, actually, uh, the day of the recording, by tweeting, "Accidentally go fuck yourself." <laughs> what is, do you think? That's um, do you think he's doing a parody of the Counting Crow song "Accidentally in Love" from Shrek? Um, unless he. Uh, you know, made this reference back in, in 2002 and, and and then forgot about it until now. Um, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, maybe he's just listening to that. That seems like some chic. That's more likely than like, I don't know, he's encouraging us to fall on a dildo. Like, how, how else would you accidentally go fuck yourself? <laughs> Plus, it's, it's that, come on, come on, turn a little faster. You know that song, right? No, I, I know then, the song. <laughs> So picture that, and then at the end he goes, accidentally go fuck yourself. <laughs> I I think by your lack of rhythm at the end there that that your theory has been debunked. <laughs> okay, well, Sheik is not one to count syllables, I don't think, so uh, we'll see. I, I need to know. The world needs to know. Everyone tweet at, I don't even know, at the underscore Iron Sheik. I think that's, you the, got it. that's the right handle. At the underscore Iron Sheik. Tweet at him. Ask him what the fuck he meant by that tweet. And then let's see if we can get a confirmation on the Counting Crows reference. <laughs> I think he's been tweeted that at every tweet he's ever tweeted, and he's probably never answered it. So I don't think a, a, a small podcast <laughs> is gonna gonna solve that question. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I don't know why the Sheik would would give a shit what we say, but I demand <laughs> an ex, ex an exclamation. Jesus, I demand an ex. <laughs> I, why can't I say this? I demand an explanation. From the Iron Sheik. I, I said exclamation, and then I don't know what the other thing I was trying to say was, but I demand an explanation from the Iron Sheik. Explain yourself, Sheiky. The world needs to know. I call you a punk. Ugh. I gotta, I gotta, what's the word? Um, clumsy. Sober I gotta, up. I gotta, well, that's the thing. I'm completely sober. <laughs> Usually okay, I'm shit faced. You need to take something. Usually I'm shit faced when we do this, so I don't know. But um, <laughs> anyway, I got a clumsy tongue so far, um, which uh, you know. I feel bad for your girlfriend, then. Yeah, well, that's not the only reason to feel bad for my girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> I will try to get through our sponsors. First of all, AudibleTrial.com/soco. Hit the link in the description box. You're gonna get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. Booyah! Mathis Designs also. Uh, not also, also is a sponsor of ours, but can be found on etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Get your designs here. <laughs> and of course, Mike's Wood. Find the store for Corn Fed and Wed at etsy.com slash shop slash Corn Fed and Wed if you want to get your wood worked. <sighs> that's good. That's, that's what you want. That's, I'm glad. 
Glad we got that in there. Uh, one more sponsorship ad. Let's head over to our previously recorded selves for something about Anchor. All right. Great stuff there as always. And as it relates to Anchor, I almost forgot about this. We have to celebrate a new contributor. Did you see our list uh, expanded just today, Seth? I did not. Hold on. New contributor uh, by the name of Casey Cheeves is the name of our new um, our new contributor uh, coming in hot and and helping out the show. So we really appreciate that, Seth. I don't know if you understand uh, why Casey Cheeves is uh, is a name you might know. Uh, well, Casey's cheese. Pizza is my favorite pizza. No, it's actually not. Uh, it's pretty mediocre. Um, but no, I, I think I get it. But also, so that means uh, Dan has two accounts where he's given a dollar, which I'm okay with that. I was going to say, I think it's amazing. He's paying us to make puns. And also ma- paying us to make you take a shot. That's true. I am going to, I'm gonna, I need to take a quick break. I need to grab a shot. Maybe it will help me speak more clearly for the rest of this podcast. Hold on one second. All right, I am back now, and because uh, this is, I'm assuming, a celebratory thing for a friend of the show, uh, Dan, and celebrating the Casey Chiefs, uh, I've upgraded from my usual Jose Cuervo tequila gold to my favorite drink, which is Bullet Bourbon. And so uh, cheers to the Casey Chiefs, uh, and here, here, goes, here goes some bourbon down the hatch. And now okay. my voice is deeper for the rest of the show. <laughs> I was going to say, I... I you know, I, while you're gone, you'll hear that that I, you know, was uh, thinking you're faking it. But I know it was real because it took you like ten seconds <laughs> to actually take that shot. So uh, <laughs> I edited it down uh, for the show. But what you didn't hear was me going <sighs> for forty-five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> oh, great stuff! So thank well, uh, thanks to Dan. Um, if if uh, you know he gives us a dollar every time the Chiefs win a championship, uh, I guess we'll have to wait another fifty years. So. Ooh, uh. <laughs> ooh, <laughs> ooh! You got him. <laughs> if he's gonna give us a dollar every time the Chiefs win, I'm gonna start rooting for the Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> if the Chiefs keep winning, we can we can quit our day jobs, buddy. It's gonna be awesome. Well, I lost uh, money on the Chiefs this weekend, so uh, at least I get a dollar back. <laughs> oh no! Well, that's okay. Anyway, uh, shout out to Dan. Appreciate the continued support, as well as from our other sponsors, Mike V and Jared B. As well as fuck you, which is just another alias for Dan. <laughs> um, if you want to actually, become a turn, contributor. Turns out that uh, Dan is actually also Jared Buckendall. So. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if you want to become a contributor, head over to our anchor page and you can contribute at uh, three different levels on a monthly basis if you like. If you can't or don't want to become a contributor, just keep clicking on our episodes and sharing them with friends. Every little bit helps. And we certainly appreciate that. All right, all that said, we had a lot of show to get into here, and we're going to kick things off. Because we've been so serious so far, uh, (laughs) we thought we better uh, shake things up by being a little goofy, and uh, we're going to dole out some hot, fresh justice. Here comes laughable punishment. (laughs) Got him! All right, this is one of our newest segments that has been quite a hit so far. Sounder's dope. Um, We have a wacky crime has taken place. And Seth has caught the perpetrator. Now it's time for us to figure out what what we're gonna, what we're gonna, how we're gonna punish this perpetrator. So who's who is on the chopping block this week? Well, here we go. His name is Cody. Uh, this person. <laughs> <laughs> Not kidding. His name is Cody. Oh. But uh, I'll read. I'll read the story. I don't want to read the headline because I think it it gives too much away up front. Um, 
The story is a Florida man is accused of getting it on with a host of stuffed animals at a Target, including the snowman from Frozen. Cody Christopher Meter, 20, of Petersburg, was charged Thursday with criminal mischief for allegedly defiling two plush toys in October. He's accused of strolling through a St. Petersburg Target one October afternoon until he came across a Disney Frozen merchandise display. He then allegedly found one toy that tickled his fancy, a large Olaf stuffed animal, according to the sheriff. He picked up the toy from the display and then proceeded to lay on it to lay it on the floor and dry hump the item until he ejaculated onto the merchandise before placing placing it back on display, the affidavit alleges. But he wasn't done yet, according to the affidavit. He then found another victim. After allegedly defiling Olaf, Meter uh, perused the store until he found a large unicorn stuffed animal, which he also began to dry hump, according to the affidavit. At some point, someone alerted the store to Meter's alleged stuffing animal romps. Stuffed animal romps. He he was detained before he could leave the target. Um, He was released on a $150 bond. So that that was his punishment. Um, I in, and I didn't. It uh, looks like it doesn't say what his actual punishment is after that. But hundred fifty dollar bond is what he had to pay to get out of jail. Um, I don't think that's that's good enough. He's humping some du- stuffed animals. What do we think his punishment should be? Okay, so a couple things here. Um, it's you said that he dry humped it, and then also he ejaculated onto it. Yeah, and that that seems like so. Did, is he doing? Is he humping, and then he pulls it out to then you know, gat on the fucking toy or did he have his dick out the whole time? I, I don't know. It doesn't go into that sort of detail, but I, I feel like if, the suspect it, had know, his dick out the whole time. <laughs> um, he, uh, I, I feel like if he's horny for stuffed animals, he did it twice. He's probably got enough, uh, enough ammo to, uh, to, to, you know, soak a stuffed animal even through his whatever his clothes are uh, so you think he's blasting through his dockers onto these things <laughs> yeah i mean also if he's going into a target at, in the afternoon humping some stuff i feel like he's probably not wearing jeans he's probably wearing sweatpants at the very least so uh, you know it's like when you go to the strip club you know you're probably yeah. just gonna wear sweatpants right so yeah gotta have the lap dance pants i can understand yeah. that Okay, so so instead of fucking, uh, in, instead of like sparkles on stage, he's humping Olaf. That's that's the same thing. This is weird because he is he goes to a frozen display, which also has like, I I, I don't know how I don't know how old these characters are, so I don't know how how horrible this is to say, but there, there's two like pu- pretty girl characters in Frozen, and so if they if there were stuffed animals, he could have humped the the pretty girl characters and instead he chose the snowman <laughs> well here, here's where the here's unicorn, where i, I think get. right here here's here's where i think though that where we should start um and this goes to your point like there there's there's elsa and anna he chose olaf though so i think this punishment should be josh gad related it should be <laughs> <laughs> yes let's get josh gad in here <laughs> Like he should have to watch. Uh, what's the worst Josh Gad movie there is? All of them. He should have to watch all of Josh Gad's movies uh, in succession. Uh, for he gets it's it's like uh, solitary confinement. He gets an hour a day uh, time out <laughs> outdoors. So he has to, has to watch twenty three hours of Josh Gad uh, content. That's that's the the very least. I think so. Um, and we should make him. 
we should make him he should need to pleasure himself to completion during the wedding ringer <laughs> he can pick what scene um i'm sure there's something sexual in that movie i haven't seen it um i don't think anybody did but um actually that's not true i know it made a bunch of money but he can pick the scene we'll be a little bit lenient with him but he has to, he has to complete himself during at least once during each movie he watches that's what i would say also so, solitary also- confinement and he can't have a mattress because that's just going to end in gross disaster <laughs> for everybody <laughs> and there, there should be like uh, instead of his walls being either cement or padded walls um there sh- it should be like a, a a glass display case and behind the dis- display cases are just thousands of olaf dolls that he <laughs> can't actually get to oh that's good it's like um Oh, you or and or you could do where, um, like in Batman Dark Knight Rises, when you can see out of the top of the prison, maybe he can see out of the top of it, and there's some Olafs up there too, because <laughs> hope hope is the thing that makes the prison the <laughs> the worst, right? <laughs> okay, so we have we have a Magneto style solitary confinement chamber that only has a TV to watch Josh Gad movies. He gets a break from it only for one hour a day, and constantly he has the giant eyes of Olaf the snowman thousands of times staring at him from the other side of the glass. Does that sound about right? I like it. I think I think it's fitting. Um, I, I just don't, I mean, Florida, this isn't... I think the, only, the reason that it was only a $150 bond is because this is like... This, this is basically the equivalent to like shoplifting in every other state in Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Unwanted ejaculate is basically the shoplifting of florida do you think they made him buy the stuff um he definitely I broke don't... it <laughs> he so what? If you break it so he definitely broke it so and if you break it you <laughs> buy it so i i mean did he break it they could have just hosed it off i bet it would have been fine still uh if they're plush toys you're never getting that out of it that's gonna be at least a, <laughs> it's gonna be at least a little crusty forever <laughs> ask nine-year-old cody oh that's nasty i used to have a lot of plush toys Used to. All right, that's the end of that segment. Uh, we are gonna... <laughs> no, I, I can say I can say with forty five percent confidence I've never had sex with a plush toy. Um, I can't be sure. <laughs> but you didn't uh, know. You never know what Simba did in the middle of the night, do you? That's true. He's a sneaky lion. No, nah, no doubt about that. He's also a puppet, so he's not getting far without me. So, anyway, that's opening up a door. I don't think this podcast wants to hear about uh, the punishment for this what are, what are we calling this guy the the plush the plush humper the punishment <laughs> for the plush humper is going to be uh, non-stop josh gad and olaf overload and maybe that's going to be great for him maybe he'll love it but in time it will bother him and so it's psychological uh, warfare eventually and how long should this be for i don't think this should be a lifelong punishment but no 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 maybe- but a while it's gotta it's gotta get to him right if it's like a day he might love it so it's mm-hmm. got maybe like a month I'm thinking like through the entire throughout. Uh, well, he's in Florida, so we should move him to move him to like I don't I don't want him in Iowa, but let let's throw him in like some like trashy state or something. Uh, let's throw him in Oregon. Um, yeah. we'll him. <laughs> somewhere no, where it's gonna um, snow around him. Just somewhere where it's cold, because I'm thinking like snowman snow through like one entire winter season from from. The, the I guess the meteor meteorological meteor lot I can't say that fucking word, um, meteor <laughs> me, meteorology. <laughs> I can't say it. Explanation. Uh, <laughs> meteor 
logical? No, that's not how it is. Fucking Meteor- whatever. Through winter. Meteor- he has to be in jail through winter. We'll leave it at that. We'll put him in Fargo. Fargo, North Dakota. They have long-ass winters, and it's cold there. You know, got it. I got it. Here we go. We're going to build a snow. It's going to turn to winter. We'll build a snowman. And he is going to... He has to... It's going to be a real cold place. Let's, let's put it in Canada. I like Canada. Let's put it in Canada. And it's going to be there as long as the snowman... There's still at least one piece of the snowman intact. Ooh. So until it melts away entirely, he has to be in that jail. I like it. I like it. Yeah. That's going to fully... I think I think we're gonna like scare straight this guy out of his snowman kink, which I don't mm-hmm. know if that's for good or bad, but he's a criminal, so that's how we're dealing with his ass. I like it. And he has to watch that Jack Frost film. Is that oh, that one God. that where yeah. the snowman Michael gets evil? Keaton. Is that what that one is? Uh, so there is one like that, but then there's also okay. one where Michael Keaton is a dad who dies and comes back as a snowman. And it's no, I don't want that one. I want the one where he turns evil and shoots icicles and kills people. Oh, okay, yeah, then that one. That one yeah. will do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we developed some sort of weird kink chamber for this this particular <laughs> criminal. So Florida man is going to go beat off to some Josh Gad <laughs> this week in Laughable Punishment. <laughs> Got <he. laughs> Wow. Bad boys. There you go. Ooh, maybe we should incorporate that into the sounder. I think, <laughs> I think that might be apt. Anyway, we, we roll on. A lot of stuff to talk about today. A lot of news uh, a lot of movie, movie and TV news in the news this week. Uh, so we got to cover some things, but we don't have time to cover them all. So we're going to do this as quick hits. All right. Starting TV news. A um, couple Disney Plus pieces of news here. First, Disney Plus, uh, they, they, they have announced, hey, please don't cancel us. Look, look what we have coming in a year uh, with their short clips during the Super Bowl of WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki. All looked good. All looked good. I'm I'm in. Uh, speaking of Loki, Owen Wilson is cast uh, in Loki with a major role. Uh, well, Owen Wilson responds by saying, "Wow." Oh wow! Wow! Yeah! Yeah! Wow! <laughs> and then uh, finally, in TV news, in the stupidest news I've heard uh, in 2020, Planners executives advise Mr. Peanut's death was inspired by Tony Stark. Uh, Marvel has since responded by announcing Baby Stark in 2025. Baby Stark. I hate it. That was one of the few commercials I hated. And so um, I do not support that at all. But uh, whatever, I guess. Shoot your shot, peanuts, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, And movie news. uh, Due to his snub of the Oscars, Adam Sandler has signed a four movie deal with Netflix and will be going back to making terrible comedies. Yes, can't wait. I, I hope he steers so hard into like just his comedy that it's like the most Adam Sandler shit we've ever seen. That's what I want for next. I do hope that within though one of the four movies though is uh, his second stand-up special because that that oh, still yeah. makes me very happy. Absolutely. Um, Margot Robbie uh, eyed for Tinkerbell in the Peter Pan live-action uh, movie, uh, making creepy old men tinker swell with excitement. Oh gosh, that's a good one. <laughs> Wow, that's good. Uh, also, very excited for a shitload of Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell cosplay after that. Because uh, that's all Margot Robbie does is be cosplay material. So that'll be fun. And finally, uh, Paul Rubens, who, who plays Pee Wee Herman, wants to make a dark Pee Wee movie. Uh, sources say that it will be a sequel to Big Top Pee Wee, and it'll be called Big Tip Pee Wee. God, wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, dark peewee is what I have in my pants. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Also, I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see if there's an audience for Pee Wee now. I, I, it seems like one of those weird things from the past that we don't need to drudge back up. But we'll see. We'll see if nostalgia and or a new audience will, will buy in. I don't know. The, there was just a new one in 2016 on Netflix. What? I missed that entirely. It, <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, Judd Apatow produced it. A lot of people didn't like it. The actually Big Top Pee Wee is a real movie. <laughs> that was the like actually the last one that came out before the the 2016 one. But man. Um. Anyway, <laughs> that is the quick hits. I uh, um, one one thing I would quickly add. You brought up Disney Plus Mandalorian season two announced for this fall. I think October maybe. Um, yep. I actually so, was gonna just that was gonna be my additional news. Uh, it's uh. Mandalorian in October, Falcon and Winter Soldier is August, and then uh, WandaVision is in December. So we're getting all three of those this year. Great fall. A lot of, lot of good stuff. on. T- I, I'm, I'm often critical of Marvel's decision to go to TV in the way that they are, but I will likely be watching all those shows. Falcon and Winter Soldier looks amazing to me. Very excited for Sam Wilson as Captain America. Um, and WandaVision just looks creative and fun, and I really love mm-hmm. Elizabeth Olsen, so I'll likely be Did watching you- that. Did you hear how they're doing that too? It's going to be, uh, they're kind of basing it around like four different sitcoms. So like, um, I love Lucy is going to be a part of it. Um, Brady Bunch will be a part of it. Uh, basically that trailer showed four shots of Wanda in it. And each one they talked about being related to all like sitcoms from back in the day. Um, so like there's a black and white one, a shot of her and that's, I love Lucy. And also, they're talking about how Vision, because part of the show they're thinking is is either her dealing with Vision's death or her wanting to put Vision back together or bring him back. And Vision, the last time we saw him, because he got the stone pulled out of his head, was black and white. So there might be some oh. correlation there. Th- there's also two, uh, in the comics, there's a West Coast Vision, I believe, where he was black and white, was brought back to life and is black and white there too. So... There could be some of that going on. So I, I'm super interested in that show. I, I can't wait for it. It could be cool. And it's going to be the lead into Doctor Strange. We know that. So uh, well, this actually, could, I, with, with it coming out sooner, it'll actually be a little bit before Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right, since they moved it up. But at the very least, yeah. it'll inform what goes on there. And I really think that Scarlet Witch is an interesting character. Like I said, I love Elizabeth Olsen. So I think it'll be cool that they go that they get to explore her a little bit more and give her some more screen time because mm-hmm. I think she deserves it. And so I, I am in for this. It's something that I was skeptical about and just seeing the the footage and it, really it's Elizabeth Olsen that's getting me to this. I, I she's become one of my favorites lately and um yeah. so I'm excited to see what she's doing. I don't really know shit cool. about vision, but whatever. <laughs> and it's cool because they're going some different because it's T V and, and stuff like that, they're going some different places with it where you wouldn't go in the movies um you get to explore stuff like these characters really grieving (laughs) you know like that that's going to be interesting um there's potential of because like in the comics and stuff she goes crazy and is like bad she's a villain for a bit and so you could even go that route and and there's been talks about her being the main villain in in uh dr strange so could go that route and then bring her back as you know a hero you have him turn around or whatever but um a lot of cool stuff they can start to do by going even more into the lore of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to be really cool. And then, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, I think you see briefly in the trailer that Baron Zemo's back from Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to get some of that in there. We're getting, you know, we're going to be able to bring back certain people and have a longer arc and figure stuff out that way. Um, also, I think there's a storyline going on there where um, they don't just outright give um, Falcon the Captain America. Like, part of the show is going to be him trying to 
or having to like earn that Captain America spot. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of really cool stuff. I'm excited for it all. Yeah, it's going to be. I will remain skeptical until I see it. But the spots at the Super Bowl made me more excited. I'll say that. For yeah. Sure. All right, quick hits. We got a little bonus news in there, and now we're going to do a whole bunch of other stuff. So let's see here. Uh, Up next is a welcome return to one of the world's favorite segments, the TV Corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. All righty, Seth. Uh, This must have been an emotional week for you. Uh, (laughs) A couple of series finales, uh, and these are a couple of things I know you've been loyal to for a very long time, so interested to see... Uh, whether or not these two shows landed the ship. Yeah, the start with first one, the one that hasn't been on as long, and that's uh, The Good Place uh, wrapped up its fourth and final season this week with a nice 90-minute fin- uh, 90 finale. Um, Good Place, obviously, I think most most people know we've talked about. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a show essentially about about heaven um, and, and hell, I guess, too, because it's it's really what it's come down to is is they're, them trying to figure out a system that works for people to get into heaven and hell and and you know is is the system on earth correct and and how can we make it fair and and all kinds of stuff like that so it's very much a show about morality when it comes down to it this last season was was very much about morality and and making you know uh, making good choices but also being making mistakes and learning from them and, and that type of thing so uh, a lot of good messages there. This finale, especially, um, had a lot of really good messages in it, uh, especially just just about life. And um, like, for example, they they talked about there was a actually a, like a 12, 12 or thirteen minute like post th- post show thing with Seth Meyers and the entire cast, and they brought up like, and it, it was kind of a running theme too as well. But like, life is short, and and a lot of like the good times we have, they all, that all feels super short. And so the show can't getting, you know, basically ending as soon as it did with only four seasons was, is kind of a metaphor in itself of being like, you know, it's, it, life is short. It's a short ride. You just enjoy what you have. And, and, uh, you know, not, not all of us gets the amount of time we want. And, and so a lot of like really nice sentiments and and all that. Uh, I think though, the, in, in terms of the, the show specifically and, and the, you know, kind of looking, at it like with a with a broad scope is that something Mike sure does with all of his shows is he kind of starts them off by he has like a solid main character the first season or so um, you look at Parks and Rec uh, Amy Poehler and mm-hmm. and Leslie Nope you look at Brooklyn Nine Nine uh, Andy Samberg and and uh, um, Jake. oh Jake Jake Peralta and then this uh, Good Place you have Kristen Bell and, and Eleanor. Um, and once he has that good, that good nucleus there, nucleus, nucleus, there we go. He has that good nucleus. I can't even say it fast. God damn it. I'm the, I'm, I'm as bad as you right now. Um, (laughs) um, but then once the show gets going, he, the, the supporting cast is really what shines and it, the supporting cast really become as big as that main person. And the show becomes about the entire cast, about the ensemble. Um, he reels everyone in with that main star and that main character, but once you get going, it's it's really about all those characters. And so the thing that this finality the finality f- finale does is it gives everyone their proper goodbye, their the proper ending. And it I think no matter who your favorite character is in the show, you're gonna be happy with how it ends. 
um, it's it is it is a very emotional ending. I mean, I definitely uh, I definitely squirted a few times during this one, um, <laughs> but uh, you know it it there, there's a lot of great messages. There's a lot of great moments. There there it's it's all 100% satisfying, um, and, and I think that while the show in general over the four seasons kind of took some turns here and there that maybe derailed the momentum a little bit. The, the, I think the fourth season itself is is fantastic. It, it definitely closed it. Like, you could tell he had an idea of what he wanted to do once he got to the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that this finale, he knew, like, this is how I want to end it. So uh, I really like the ending. It, it was a, it was a perfect, perfect end for this show. Um, I, I don't think anyone would ever be, uh, you know, upset by how, how this ends because it's, it, it's, a, it's a really good one and has a lot of great messages to it. I love it. This is uh, so I need to catch up with the most recent season. I'm excited now to. I'll probably burn through it like in a few days once I start it. Um, and that you you touched on this like the morality issue is why I really like the Good Place because it's a really smart show. It's hilarious, obviously, and silly, but it's it's really smart in the way that it talks about morality. And it's like it's like taking a philosophy class you didn't realize you were taking a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. uh, I've really enjoyed this. Very excited to watch the ending. I've, I've, I've heard that it's emotional, so I'm probably going to be, I'll be crying a lot. Um, and so uh, I'm excited to check this out. I really, it's one of the few, sh- you know me, I very rarely have watched shows from beginning to end. And this is an example of that. So uh, I'm pumped to get into it. Do it. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of shows watching from beginning to end, uh, that's the other show um, that for me. That's Arrow. Arrow had its finale this week, uh, which also signals my my end of the the DC TV shows. Um, they're adding like two more next year. Good. So God. they take away <laughs> they take away Arrow and add like two more in there. I have to um, say, so- I am I am proud of you for cutting the cord with the CW verse. Um, because I know it, it's so much time, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm glad that you have made that decision. And I think it's an appropriate time to say that the the CW verse has been put into the TV graveyard. But of course, uh, you can't we can't leave it fully behind without reviewing the latest season of Arrow. <laughs> and it's funny you mention that because the or do that uh, you know the graveyard and that that's that that undertaker uh funeral music but um it ends with uh oliver's funeral i i think i mentioned a couple not too long ago that um you know he and i'm sure everyone saw it you know anyone who follows this remotely at all saw that oliver dies in the in the cri- uh, crisis um crossover and so the finale is is legitimately his funeral and um they bring and it's kind of funny too because i you know for me it's the end of the cw stuff i i debated watching legends because i still do really like that show but when i watched the finale of arrow they brought in you know a lot of the the characters they brought in you know uh, supergirl and flash and sarah lance who's on on legends and all that stuff they brought in all these characters from from arrow and kind of said goodbye to Oliver and that show with, with everyone there. And I was like, okay, I, I think I'm just going to end it now because it was, it was a pretty, pretty perfect end for if they were to end the Arrowverse, like that's how they should do it essentially. Um, and, and so basically the, the finale was um, his funeral. It was, they, they, they kind of, because Stephen Amell wasn't in the second to last episode. It was the second to last episode was a, pa- a pilot for, the new show they're doing with his daughter. 
And so they, uh, I was like, I don't know what they're doing. Is he just not going to be in the, in the final episode of the show? That seems weird, but they did bring him back in like some flashback stuff and, and a couple other moments here and there. But, um, it, I personally love this finale. I, I, I was, I had watched the good place and arrow back to back. So I was already like a little bit, you know, with the feels, but then thinking about arrow and it had been on for eight years and they showed some, some clips and flashes of, you know, all the way back to the beginning. And I, I was definitely getting emotional just because it had been such a part, big part of my life, especially early on in the first, like two or three seasons, I was obsessed with the show. And, um, I watched I watched the very first episode live when it aired on the CW and all that stuff. So like, I, I from the beginning I was in on the show and it's just been a constant part, uh, you know, of my life in one way or another. I've watched it, kept up on everything since since the beginning. So weird, definitely weird to see it go. Uh, it was definitely it, it was time like probably three seasons ago. <laughs> but um, and I actually will say the last like two or three seasons, not counting this season because just basically this season was like a giant teaser for a Crisis. Um, but you know, prior to that, the last two or three seasons had actually been pretty good. There was a, a little lull there for a few seasons where it wasn't very good, but, um, anyway, it, it, the finale did a great job of, of bringing everyone back and, and showing some of those moments and giving closure in the end to, to Stephen Amell and, and Oliver Queen. Um, so I, yeah, I was definitely emotional thinking, thinking back on it too. It was like when you were in college and I was coming to Ames every weekend, like that show was kind of just, you know, it was in its first couple of seasons and I was mm-hmm. watching it there and like I was getting people into it there. And, and so, you know, I, I will, I, I will definitely miss the show, especially like when it was at its best. Um, and, and I thought for, for Arrow fans, uh, it, it couldn't have been any better with how they wrapped it up. So, um, I, I really enjoyed it. I really liked the finale. Um, and I liked, I liked the, the closure they gave by the end of it. So, um, Arrow, I will miss you. Hmm. I like it. Made me a little sad. Um, the it's always good. We talk about this all the time when a show ends because what was nice about this is they they got to say, okay, here's how we want to end it, and then execute on that, right? And the CW does a lot of does for better or worse. The CW stands by its shit, right? And so they've kept Arrow on all this time, and finally, I think it was Stephen Amell wanting to exit that really prompted the end of Arrow, and. Um, mm-hmm. They, they they buttoned it up in a way that was satisfying. And anytime a show gets to do that, I think it's a win. It's crazy to think it was on for eight seasons. Like, holy shit. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember when it was first coming out, and you were like, dude, you got to check this Arrow show out. And uh, so it's weird. It's weird to think that we're that much older now and that the show is over and all that stuff. And just the superhero landscape has changed so much in that amount of time. Like, that was mm-hmm. pre – that was right around the time Avengers, the first one, came out. So pretty right. crazy to think of how we look at superheroes differently now than we did then. So it, it I think it is. It's one of those. It, it was the first, I think, one of the first shows to show that a superhero TV show can work again. Right. Because it's been it mm-hmm. had been by that time. It had been so long since Smallville really was the, the previous one that I can really remember. And mm-hmm. uh, and because I mean, you could probably credit the whole Netflix superhero universe to Arrow's success obviously everything in the cw that's come since so it's kind of it's kind of feels like stark dying in avengers like that's it's a very Mm -hmm. similar feel oh totally yeah it's and um yeah i don't think Stephen amell gets gets enough credit for for kind of what he did um because a lot of people still have that 
that look at at those shows as being you know especially once like flash and metahumans and all that stuff got introduced because if if like the first two two seasons were really like real and kind of gritty and and Mm -hmm. like real dark at times and he was murdering people left and right and you know it 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 was it was a pretty real show and then like they you know they they're like oh let's introduce flash and then it kind of got crazy and and went went to a lot of weird places but then they reeled it back but um basically going back to my point with Stephen Amell like he doesn't get enough credit for for really um leading that show like I know like listening to some some of his interviews and and stuff like that like he really like he he took control of that show on and off scene on and off the scene the screen and and um you know he he was a champion for it like in in terms of like getting out there and talking about it he never like once shied away from like being you know this is a, a CW show like he always took it seriously and and uh um he was he was a great lead he was he was a perfect Oliver Queen so uh it it it's it, again sad to see him go i'm excited to see what he does next though because he's doing totally. a, a wrestling show uh called Heels on Stars um and i can't remember who there there's someone involved with it that um might be one of the Ferelli brothers potentially i think it might be one of the Ferelli brothers um that that uh, are that are pretty passionate about it and they they really want to do a good job with it plus he he's doing all the stunts again and he's uh, he's wrestled before so i'm super excited for it I'll, I'll follow that guy like even after era i'm gonna follow that guy to whatever he does because uh, he's he's i really like him as a person so um yeah Stephen amell's great i dig it man i dig it uh, so we have graceful landings, it would seem, for Arrow and for The Good Place, uh, continuing to open up Seth's uh, availability for new TV shows, which is exciting. Um, <laughs> so uh, great stuff. Uh, if you if you want, you can catch both of those seasons in their entirety. Uh, Good Place, everything except the new season is on Netflix. I think that might be the case for Arrow. Maybe you can correct me. I don't know if, because I know in the past they've had a deal where once the season's over, then like the next day all the episodes go on there but i don't know if that's still the case okay at least some of arrow is available on netflix so you can check both of those out if you want to catch up to those shows which are now complete so uh not only are they complete but that also completes this week's tv corner television down on the corner nobody puts baby in the corner all righty the time has come we are going to get into our picks for the oscars here in our movie section. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. The Oscar game is back for 2020. This is our third year of doing it. Seth has won, and last year it was... At Jared Buckendall. ...who brought home the gold. Uh, this year, we are looking to see, will it be me for the first time? Will it be Seth? Or will it be another competitor who takes home the championship? Here's what we know so far, guys. Uh, so far, one of the prizes for a winner, if it's not Seth or I, one of the prizes will be a digital copy of one of our favorites from 2019, Booksmart. Seth has a digital copy that's looking for a home, and if you uh, are the top champion in the Oscars game, you could be going home with that digital copy. There's also a couple of other things kind of in the mix, but we know so far that that will be one of the prizes, um, which I will be fighting hard for. I already own Booksmart, but I would like to have a second digital copy for myself. So uh, (laughs) you're going to have to pry it from my cold, dead hands, competitors. Uh, If you want to compete in the Oscars game, the way to do that is by a... There's a link in the description box. It's going to send you to a Google Doc. 
which has all of the categories we're picking. You will download that Google Doc and fill out your own copy of it. To fill out a copy, you will make a choice in each category and you will also place confidence points on that category. So the one you're most confident about will get 15 points. That's the max. You also only get to use every number between 1 and 15. You can only use it one time. So there's 15 categories. You'll make a choice for each number, 1, 2, 3, all the way up to 15. Um, you don't lose points if you miss a question, but you do, you do lose your opportunity to get those points, right? And so um, you want to be sure that you're sure about the ones you're putting a lot of points on. So we will provide an example of the proper way to fill out the Oscar sheet as we go through and make our picks today. So all the listeners will have a slight yeah. advantage because they'll get to know what we picked. So that helps. And if you want to go through all these confusing rules, you can go to www.creedthoughts.gov, www slash creedthoughts. <laughs> there you go, Creed Thoughts. Um, it's, it's pretty simple once you get into it. it it's going to be easier to, to understand when you hear Seth and I make our picks. So um, the deadline is Oscar time. I'll take, I'll take submissions all the way up until the time the Oscars start. Um, if you download your copy of the Excel file and send it to SoCoShow91, at gmail.com. That is the email where it's it's best to send us your entry. So really excited to see how many entries we get this year. Uh, I know we've talked to a few people. I think I think at, at least we'll have more than we did last year. And so um, really excited to see who comes out on top. So let's let's dive into this. We're talking Oscars. We're talking uh, 2019 films. And we've sort of recapped the year with a lot of our favorites, but a lot of the Oscar movies have come out since then, uh, at least gotten their wide releases since then. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see because there's a lot of the stuff I haven't seen. I think you've seen just about all of it. So you're at an advantage between yeah. the two of us. Um, I've seen everything that's that's not short films, which we're not doing. I've I've seen all the movies that are on this, other I than like maybe it. like the the best song. An- maybe the animated. Anim- I, I haven't seen all the animated or I guess Breakthrough is the only original song. And Frozen 2 I haven't seen either. So yeah, but yeah. yeah. I've seen so, all the, the main stuff, I guess. There you go. So it'd be a good idea to pick what Seth picks. Uh, you might not want to go with me because I'm stabbing <laughs> in the dark at a few of these things. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fire it up. 15 categories, and we're going to start at what will be the bottom of your entry list with best costumes. Costume, the nominees are The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Once, a- Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All righty. It looks good. Who do, you, who do you got in this one? I'll let you go first. Um, I picked Little Women. Uh, my confidence points is two because uh, I I was more distracted by the fucking Little Women in front of me talking, so I didn't get to look at the costumes very much. But <laughs> no, I, I think that with with the uh, the uh, period, like the, the that movie is all costumes and and like there's just so many like period like setting type of costumes and things like that in that movie that they nail per- like that movie does feel in the time frame they're in. So. I went with uh, Little Women, and I don't think they have a lot of shot to win much else. So I think they're going to recognize that movie in, in this category. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you here. I also chose Little Women. Um, I I bet a little bigger on this one uh, because there are some other categories that I didn't feel strong about. So I ended up with nine on Little Women. Whoa. So it's a little bit of a heavier bet for me. But I think the period piece aspect, I looked at these other ones, I think like – I really like the costuming in Jojo Rabbit for sure, but I think this just, it seems obvious. Maybe it seems to me too obvious. An Oscar choice, you know, old school pretty dresses is a pretty commonly, pretty common way to win a costumes Oscar. So that's what I went I think, with. I, I think the biggest threat for that one, honestly, is Joker. Um, 
I think just because uh, is is uh, makeup and hairstyling is a little different, right? But um, Joker's also it's an '80s movie. Um, there's a lot of like suits and and it's very mm-hmm. style. It's a very stylized movie. I also I just have this weird. I personally haven't voted this way like with my picks, but I just have this weird feeling that Joker because they were nominated for so much they're going to clean up with a bunch of awards I feel like they're going to end up with somehow the most awards mm-hmm. weirdly mm-hmm. enough well if 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 betting on low women for costumes is what's going to kill me I suppose I can be okay with that <laughs> <laughs> let's roll on to best score and so uh, our nominees here are Joker Little Women Marriage Story 1917 and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker I went and picked 1917 for this um i think when i thought back on the the movies that i've seen from this obviously star wars has that really strong iconic score when i think of joker i think of the song from the stairway scene the most and that's not score that's soundtrack so i I didn't award joker i of course haven't seen little women or marriage story so maybe i'm at a disadvantage there but the the score for 1917 was so affecting in in the big moments of that movie Uh, so i picked it I went a little bit less confidence. I picked five points for 1917 for score. So wouldn't though, I know it's soundtrack, but there's not a soundtrack Oscar, is there? No, there isn't. Um, But, and and maybe the Academy would still award like, um, so I think of like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? So there's the soundtrack and all the actual already written songs that they use in the movie. But when I think of score, I think of the original music that they add to the movie. And I could be wrong about that, but I, that's what I think of when I think of how they award score. Um, and so that, that, that's my reasoning there. Okay. I, I actually did go with Joker. I think uh, I, my confidence points was only, was four. Um, not necessarily. Cause I think th- cause the, the, the staircase scene is an actual like song, right? Like that's a, yeah, that's a, a already but- recorded popular song. Yeah. But there's also a ton of like operatic type music in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in that that when I'm when I'm remembering it again, I only saw this once, and I I I didn't love the movie, so I wasn't paying super close attention. But there's a lot of like that loud operatic music when he's arrested, right? In yeah, the back of the... in the big climax at the end. Yeah, it's yeah. it gets pretty. The, yeah, that that might be the other high. Like when you think mm-hmm. about like okay, if they if they say and this nominee is Joker and they show like a little clip from it, I think that would be what they would pull from. Because yeah, what I'll say is like because I'm remembering a lot of the musical moments. For me, like the music almost seemed like a character, and <laughs> in, in a way, in Joker, like it, it's it's a, it, it was very important in kind of the the emotions of that. Um, I went. Little Woman had some good music. Marriage Story had some good music. Star Wars, I don't think, is super in the running here. I would say the closest, probably, competition for me would be 1917. Um, but even again, I think the like for 1917, I think for me the the cinematography um, is what drove a lot of the. Uh, I wouldn't say emotion, but it was it was kind of like the the alluring factor. I didn't pay as much attention to the to the music. Um, so I, that's why I went with Joker. I, but again, I only did four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. I hope you're wrong. Uh, you mentioned cinematography <laughs> a moment ago. Why don't you take us through the nominees and tell us who you picked? Uh, we have The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just mentioned the cinematography for 1917, so I went with that. Uh, and I put higher in this one because this really is the one that, I mean, not not even just for this year, but... Uh, probably in the last decade is a movie that like 
when you think, and, and I think when we look back on this one, when we think of cinematography, this is going to be a prime example. People are going to be like, oh yeah, 1917. Oh yeah. You know, when they're making points about stuff. Um, so I'm going high with this one. I did 12. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with you. This is a movie that it's not often that during the movie I go, wow, that's great camera work. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen a lot. And I did it constantly. This, this one, uh, I was highly confident in. In fact, this is my top confidence pick 15 points. Wow. Uh, Roger Deakins for 1917. This is, this is the one, as I looked at the nominees that seemed the most obvious. And if I'm wrong, I'm willing to lose on that because that's, I mean, it's to me, it's a no brainer that it was the best. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like I didn't blink during that movie just because I was like falling <laughs> along with it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The level of difficulty, like the lighthouse had some really interesting stuff. Uh, the Joker was interesting, too. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just seemed like neat and good cinematography. But the level of difficulty in 1917 and how well they executed was just mm, just the, the, the what that little Italian <laughs> chef's kiss that they do. That's what I'm doing. That, uh, uh, that's that was that was 1917 for me. I'm picking 1917 a lot, Seth. You should know. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we move on to visual effects. Nominees are Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, 1917 again, The Lion King, and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. It, it's This is difficult because often, you know, and this happens a lot, like what do you award? right? Like Avengers has a hundred CGI characters in it. The Irishman is doing de-aging. 1917 is masking cuts with visual effects. The Lion King is all CG. It might as well be called a cartoon. And then Star Wars is doing all that space shit that you can't do. I, uh, this was my bottom. I went with one point and I put it on Avengers because I just, I, I have no, you know, what do you award? I don't know. What'd you go with? I also went with, with Avengers. I was pretty low as well. I went with three. I think this one over the others, uh, like Irishman had the effects of the de aging. Um, honestly, it was good, but not fantastic. Nineteen seventeen, there. I mean, there was the the simulated one shot, but other than that, like, what special effects did they really use? I don't know. Um, Lion King, like you said, it's all lions. <laughs> you know, it's an animated movie essentially. But I wasn't blown away by that. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars, we've seen. You know, we've seen all that before. And I know we've seen Avengers before, but the difference here is like, I feel like the Academy wants to recognize this movie somehow because it is, you know, the big achievement type thing. Um, I think that that's, that's, that's the only reason I give that the edge is because, you know, it's, it was such a huge thing and, and still is a huge thing. And, and I think that, you know, because it wasn't nominated for best picture, like a lot of people had maybe thought um, they're going to try and award it in certain ways. So I would, I, that's why I'm going with end game here. Yeah. I like it. Um, and they did a great job visually in that movie too. That's, you know, uh, everything was was pretty pretty locked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is editing. Why don't you take us through it? Uh, there's Ford v Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. Um, I'm uh, this one kind of in the middle. On uh, I went with Ford v Ferrari on this one. Um, I, I think when I look at all those movies, there's not a ton like Ford v Ferrari, especially like all of the driving shots mm-hmm. and. Yep. Uh, it's very quickly edited. I think there's a lot, it's some, some quick moving, um, you know, back and forth shots and, and, uh, but again, the driving itself, like the, some of just those scenes of the driving where they're cutting in and out of the car and to, you know, to the, to the, uh, you know, to, to the people who are invested in it, like, um, Shelby and, and for, you know, uh, Ford himself. Like, I think the way that's all put together, uh, that's, that's part of a big reason why I love that movie. You know, uh, it, it, the, 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 there's like 
sustained lengths of suspense in this movie. And I think that's a lot to do with the editing. So I went with seven on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, again, we agree here and you talk about the driving scenes that when I was thinking, okay, I was like looking at each of these movies and I was like, okay, remember an edit in that movie. And in Ford v Ferrari, it's, it's a smash cut to him in the car and it's wham. And then, and then they would cut, um, to different shots of him in the car or away from the car, always with a shift. And I thought that was really cool when they would do yeah. that. And I only went with four points because I, I, not having seen The Irishman, I wasn't sure what sort of editing they had in that, so I didn't go super confident. Not much. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's a three and a half hour movie. How much editing do you think is involved in that movie? <laughs> yeah, I guess no shit. Unless they shot eight <laughs> hours, they didn't really edit anything. Um, so I, yeah. I agree with you on Ford v Ferrari. I didn't, I didn't go as high on the points, though, uh, but I think it's a good pick. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you right now, I am... I, like I've been wanting to, it's been playing in and out of different theaters here I've been wanting so badly to go see it in the theater again but I also know it's not playing in like the big sound theater like the big screen sound theater so I might be disappointed that I don't get to like have my fucking spine realigned again oh, yeah. so I, I, I can't wait to watch it again though I love that movie yeah that was that was a ride for sure pun intended uh, let's go on to original songs. This, for the first time in a long time, it seemed like the last few years there's been a lock for best song. I don't know that mm. there is one, at least not one that I am privy to. We have I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4, I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, St- I'm Standing With You, Breakthrough, Into the Unknown from Frozen 2, and Stand Up from Harriet. Uh, I went with Rocket Man here. I'm gonna love me again, and I only put three points. It's, you know, this wasn't a high confidence one. Honestly, this is the only song that I've heard out of this list. So, uh, so I went with the Elton John factor here uh, for three points. I can't let you throw yourself away. I can't let you throw yourself away. I went with that though. I I literally have no fucking clue what's gonna win this one. So I just went with old Randy Newman. I bet the death the death the death the toys with uh with, with one point. <laughs> yeah, I think that's apt. Uh, I don't know if he even sings that song to be honest. It could be someone else. So he may but I'm still going to Toy Story Four. <laughs> yeah, this is an example. Like th- these these snuck up on me. Like I for whatever I thought I had more time to like watch things and go through. And I was gonna listen to all these songs, but it, I just didn't get a chance to sit down and do it. So I was like, fuck it. I've heard Rocket Man. Let's do it. Um, so we'll see if that is the winner. Uh, next, we go to animated movies. Um, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Klaus, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4. Toy. <laughs> um, I, I went with, uh, I've only seen one of these, actually, uh, Toy Story 4. Um, I, the, the, the further away, away I get from that movie, the less I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, weird, weird to say. But I, I, I honestly just I kind of went with what I've been hearing on this one because I've only seen that one. I, I went with Klaus. Uh, it just seems like that one is, has been getting a lot of heat recently. Uh, so I went uh, six on this one. Yeah, uh, I also bet six points. I picked a different movie. I, I've seen parts of Klaus. I haven't seen the whole thing. I, I think I caught like the, the last 30 minutes or so of it. And it's cool. I get it. Uh, the, a movie that I've been hearing a lot of buzz about is I Lost My Body. It's got kind of that, uh, it's about a hand that is dismembered and, and then is, is off looking for its body. And I thought that that sounded creative and cool. I know it's on Netflix, but I haven't gotten to watch it yet. So I, I put six points on that just because I've heard that it's cool and creative. I have heard a lot of buzz for Klaus though, too. So, um, in my head, it's between those two. I wish I had seen How to Train Your Dragon, but I didn't make it to that. 
Um, and Missing Link continues to be one of those movies that people keep telling me is good. And I remember mm-hmm. it coming out and thinking, I'm never fucking seeing that. So who knows? Maybe Missing Link is the best and we need to go watch it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Getting into some bigger hitters here. Adapted screenplay. Here's a here's a loaded category. The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and The Two Popes. And for me, this is something you mentioned earlier, Seth. Little Women is nominated a lot and I don't think will win a lot. And so I took this as an opportunity for the Academy to award that movie because I know they want to. So I put seven points here on Little Women. Um, but I know that there's at least one other movie that has a lot of buzz in this category. And I'm wondering if that's what you picked. Probably. I went with Jojo Rabbit. Is that what you're thinking? That was it. Yep, that was the one. Yep. I went with Jojo Rabbit. I went, what I do? I can't read it. It's too small. Eight. I went eight on that one. Yeah, I, I think what you see a lot with the writing categories, and I think this might go uh, kind of go hand in hand with this next one, is that they they often award um, the di- when I say quote unquote different movies in this category in that like they they award the movies that take chances and kind of aren't the stereotypical Oscar movies here. So you don't often I mean you don't usually see like an Irishman win this one. Um, I I think I think a prime example is Jordan Peele with Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, that one was a pretty heavy favorite, and obviously he won it because, you know, and there was like a little bit of the groundswell, like, oh, maybe it wins the best picture. Um, because, and, and mostly the argument was like, maybe votes are split between a couple of movies. But I think this is where, and it's like, because a lot of those type of movies that take chances and go different places are because the writing is so good. You know, the, the when you read the script, people are like, oh man, that that's crazy, you know? Um, not that maybe not that it wasn't executed the the best way, but the the script itself kind of goes goes places and takes chances, and 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 people can stomach reading it a little better. I don't know, but I think this is where they they give a lot of they give a lot of attention to some of those type of movies. So that's that's why I went Jojo Rabbit with eight points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will not be surprised at all if that's the winner. Th- those were the two movies I was kind of going between. And the other thing I think for Little Women is I know, and again I have I still haven't seen this, but what I've heard is that it it it's a fresh up, updated version of Little yeah. Women, and I thought that might be kind of cool. The Academy loves Greta, and if if she's truly adapting into something new, I could see them maybe awarding mm-hmm. that, but won't they be shocked at all. They don't love her enough to nominate her for Best Director. Well, that's if she had a dick, then she'd have a ton of awards, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Greg Gerwig. <laughs> uh, I'd, love to, I'd love for her to put out a movie as Greg Gerwig and not tell anyone <laughs> she made it and see if it gets awarded. That'd be hilarious. What they'll probably do, because her... Uh... I guess partner, I don't know if they're actually married or not, but uh, is Noah Baumbach. They should just like switch. They should just like, oh my God, yes. like, like faux direct their like each other's movies. And then like when it comes out, they're like, oh, guess what? I directed his and he directed mine. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, I'll pay to see that. Uh, let's see. Speaking of Noah Baumbach, he's in this next category. Let's go to uh, original screenplay. Why don't you take us through it? Yeah, we have Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. Uh, I just mentioned it. I think this is where uh, we maybe start to see some of the love for Parasite and Bong Joon-ho. Um, so I'm going with Parasite here. Uh, I went 10 on this one. I've seen, I've, I have seen a lot of uh, support for this one, um, especially with, with the screenplay. Uh, it is a very... I think out of all of these, Once Upon a Time, 1917, Marriage Story, Knives Out, 
maybe a little bit kind of leans towards Parasite, but it's a different, it's, it's 100% a different story. It has the biggest twists out of, out of any of uh, these movies. Um, and in this one, out of all those movies makes a really strong social statement. And I think again, this is what just like get out did. I think this is where the Academy recognizes that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. in the screenwriting. So uh, that's why I'm going with Parasite, and I have a little bit higher of a ranking on this one. I like it, man. That's bold. Um, I hope you're wrong, because uh, I went with a different movie. And this this is every year I lose because I pick <laughs> I pick something I love over something that will win. Uh, this is this was my opportunity to do that. So I put eight points on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I I. C- and I've seen Parasite now, so I've seen everything here besides Marriage Story, which I know has some great dialogue in it. Um, I just think Once Upon a Time, for me, has at least something that all these other movies have, and then with more, right? So, like, it's got some twists and turns and some surprises, like Parasite or Knives Out. Maybe not to that level, but it's got it's in the script. Um, it's got heavy dialogue like you'd see in Marriage Story, and, and it's got action like you'd see in 1917. And uh, on the strength of Tarantino dialogue and the the twists near the end of this movie that I thought were really exciting, um, I, I went with Once Upon a Time. But that's as much my love for Tarantino as it is anything else, to be honest with you. <laughs> How much did you put on it? Eight points. Eight. Okay. Yeah. It's about in the middle of the pack. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I honestly think this one will come down between Parasite and seven, 1917, um, mm-hmm. considering 1917 is legitimately an original story <laughs> like it's it's a like an original story that happened and and mm-hmm. um at least as far as we know from sam mendes's grandfather um i not not to you know uh, bag on your your pick there because i understand you you love that movie but um i just think that tarantino's it's kind of with oscar voting i think especially is you have to look not only at the movie but and i think it's it would be deserving to win but um, I think you have to look at the movie and the politics around it. I just mm-hmm. I think Tarantino's had his time. The movie was pretty controversial in terms of like the the ending with with Sharon Tate and all that stuff. Um, I think it's going to be between Parasite and 1917. I can see that. I can see that again. A hill I'm willing to die on, um, <laughs> which you know for better or worse. Um, let's go to supporting actor. So we're into the we're into the big daddies and mamas, uh, the actors here. Supporting actor, we have Tom Hanks. For a beautiful day in the neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins and the Two Popes, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci, both for The Irishman, and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a great category, man. I mean, these are all-time guys. Um, I went here with Tom Hanks. Uh, I think that it's it just is so easy, right? Like, you know, all these movies, all these movies have their merits, but it's so easy to be like, he was so good and he was Fred Rogers. Duh, let's give him the Oscar. It just seems like an obvious choice to me. And sometimes the Academy likes to make those. It's a, it's a risk-free choice. Everyone loves him. And I just thought it was an incredible performance. Like he, like I said, when I reviewed that movie, it felt like he was speaking to me that whole time. And that took me to an emotional level that I didn't go to with many movies this year. So I put 10 points on on Tom Hanks and I, I'm hoping that the Academy um, continues to love him as much as they have in the past. (laughs) Um, I went pretty high with points as well, but I, I chose something that might make you happy. I went with Brad Pitt and Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood. I do like that. Um, I, went with ele- I went with 11 points on this one. Um, I think uh, with he has had a lot of buzz coming out of it uh, recently, but even since July, he's been what, when this came out, he has been what people talk about with this movie. 
Um, it hasn't really been Leo. It's been Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. I think people have, weirdly enough, come to like really like appreciate him more since this movie came out. Um, not not I mean, people obviously appreciated him, but this was such a different turn for him in terms of a character he's played. Um, and and honestly, I thought he was the best part of that movie, and and, and a lot of people think that as well. So I, I've just seen so much love for him, and and Tom Hanks like. He's great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he was Fred Rogers, and it was an incredible performance. But uh, weirdly enough, it, it's a performance I've kind of forgotten about since I saw that movie. And for whatever reason, and I didn't like necessarily love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. But Brad Pitt, I like his his uh, what's his oh, what's his fucking name now? Um, oh, that character. Is it Rick Dalton, or is that the? Yeah, uh... no, that that's Leo. Um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, it's gonna piss me off. Uh, Booth, Cliff Booth. Yes, Cliff. That's what I was trying. I I, I, th- I had Cliff in my head, but that that character of Cliff has been. It, it's one like when I think about that movie, that's what I think about instantly, and I think about the ending with him specifically. Um, he is. I, I thought he was fantastic in this. Uh, probably my favorite Brad Pitt. Um, and I think he's I think he's gonna take this one. Yeah, I I would be stoked to see that. I love Brad Pitt, and that movie's great. So the more awards it gets, the better. So uh, I will not be upset to lose on that one. All right, let's get on to the ladies here. Supporting actress Seth, who do we have? We have uh, Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, uh, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, and Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Um, again, I went high on this one. I, I'm, I usually uh, put a lot of points in the acting categories because I pay a lot of attention to those. But I went with uh, Laura Dern and Marriage Story. Not my personal choice. I would personally go with Florence Pugh. Um, more of just because I, I think that what her year was <laughs> for acting was, was pretty incredible. And she was great in Marriage Story. Or not Marriage Story, excuse me, but Little Women. Um, but with Laura Dern and Marriage Story, she does play a pretty integral part in the story. Uh, and it really drives a lot of it. And, and the, scenes, the scenes that she is in are, are you know, she does a great job. Um, she, she is a, a huge part of, of what's going on in, in a limited uh, and not only just the story, but her performance in, uh, in just a limited amount of time. So I went with 13 for Laura Dern. And, and again, I've heard a lot of buzz with her. So Sweet, sweet. For me, in supporting actress, I agreed with you here at almost exactly with what you're saying. Uh, I, I was going to pick Florence Pugh. Uh, but then I just did a quick Google and everything I was writing, reading was about Laura Dern. And so, uh, I just kind of put it in the faith of the internet and, uh, and said, Laura Dern, I put 11 points on this because what I was seeing was kind of overwhelming. So we're getting into some high point categories here and, uh, you know, a movie I still need to see. Uh, but, uh, I will say, uh, you know, Margot Robbie and Bombshell, I really enjoyed Uh, this, this movie. Uh, convinced me that she is actually capable of acting, something I wasn't sure of well, until this point. Well, because you haven't fucking seen I, Tanya. Put it on my list and I'll watch it. Mary Queen of Scots. Put it on my list and I'll watch it. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Scarlett Johansson was really good in Jojo Rabbit. She had she had a couple really great scenes. Um, so those were some good performances, but uh, yeah, um, from what I'm hearing, Laura that it took her, her, her third Oscar nomination for you to be like, oh yeah, she's a good actress. Well, <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. But I haven't seen those <laughs> movies. So, you know, give me a break. There's a funny, uh, do you know the Graham Norton show? It's a British talk show. Yeah. Yeah. So they had Margot Robbie was on there with Jim Carrey 
and they were seemingly meeting for the first time and he was telling her, oh, you know, I really like your stuff and your story is so amazing. Like to have overcome the physical disadvantages that you obviously have and still be, uh, you know, looked upon in this industry is amazing. He was being cheeky because she's hot as hell. Um, right. And that was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought that I got a kick out of that. <laughs> Okay, so we're both on Laura Dern for big points here, and I imagine that theme will continue as we get into Best Actor. Um, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, uh, who I know got a lot of love, especially from Jared uh, this year. Uh, Leo for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Adam Driver for A Marriage Story. Sorry, Marriage Story, uh, which is very well represented in this. Uh, this I can't wait to watch it. Um, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and then Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Uh, Joker here, Joaquin Phoenix gets 14 points from me. Um, you know, I, I don't love the Joker as much as other people do, but I understand that that was a really good performance. And so, uh, that and every other award thing has given best actor to him so far. And it doesn't seem like anyone really stands another chance. So I went with 14 points here. Um, and, uh, if I had to speculate, I would say that you agree with me for big points. Yeah, it's uh, no no need to belabor the point here. Uh, he has won every single award he's been up for. Um, See, so yeah, I went with Joaquin Phoenix uh, with fifteen. That was my top one. So. Yep, 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 yep. So it's funny, so because I'm coming up to read the Best Actress, and I'm looking at like all the names there, and and <laughs> uh, compared to like the the Best Actor, it's like you got like Adam Driver and Jonathan <laughs> Price, and then you look at Best Actress, and it's uh, Cynthia Revo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. So it's like all these like crazy different names, and then you have Adam Driver. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are some pretty like they all seem like Hollywood names except Adam Driver. Yeah. <laughs> and Jonathan Price even. Is yeah, that one's, Jonathan Price is my accountant. <laughs> um, but I, I I read through the through the, the actresses. Um I think this one has been pretty locked up for a while as well. Um I, I think it's I I went with Renee Zellweger for Judy. Um the people have been saying that since it can't, I don't even remember when I saw it. It, it was a while back. Um, but uh, she's great. And uh, the movie itself, I thought, was kind of okay. It was, you know, it, it was what it was. But she was really good in it. Um, I, again, I and I think I talked about it, too. Like, last year, for me, my pick the whole time was Glenn Close with The Wife. And, like, I didn't see a better performance other than that. She didn't win, though. Um, and, and, like, this year I said it in the review. I was like... You know, for me, it didn't quite hurt. Renee Zellweger's performance didn't quite live up to to Glenn Close, um, but it's the best I've seen this year, and I, I figured someone would overtake it. But I don't think really looking at these names, like I love Saoirse Ronan a lot. She was great in Little Women. I personally probably liked her a little bit more, but um, the the performance itself and the difficulty of it, I think, was probably the toughest for Judy. Um, Charlize Theron is good, but. A lot of that was the makeup, and they made her look exactly like Megan Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, C- Cynthia Riva was, was again was really good, um, but that the movie that movie took a lot of weird liberties, and and a lot of people kind of didn't didn't latch onto it. And ScarJo again was great. I loved her in Marriage Story. Uh, I thought she had a great performance, but you know, I think there was still a little bit more difficulty with Renee Zell- Zellweger. So, and that's just been the hype has been Renee Zellweger. So that's where I'm going with 14 points. Yep. I agree with you completely. I only have 12, but I do have it on Renee Zellweger. And again, it's just the overwhelming consensus that I've seen online has been 
for her. I hope we don't run into another Glenn Close situation because that seemed all but locked up, and then they kind of swerved on us uh, in those last the last week or so, and finally with the award. But um, yeah, obviously all great performances here. I really love Charlize. That was one of my favorite performances of the year. I that that a lot of my weird like preferences about women uh, were were fully realized in her portrayal of Megyn Kelly. So maybe that's just my Maybe that's my dick talking, to be honest with you. But um, uh, all these, all these super talented. Very excited to see Harriet get a couple nominations. That's a movie that I I had kind of disregarded, honestly, which feels horrible. Um, but uh, to see Cynthia Erivo recognized is great, and I think will encourage me to go back and watch this at some point when I wasn't sure that I was going to. Um, so um, yeah, great category. But yeah, everything I'm reading is is Renee Zellweger, so that's what I went with for twelve. Two awards remain here. Best director is next. And, God, you talk about a murderer's row here. Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips, Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and, of course, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. I have, this goes back, way back to when we talked about visual effects, like, what do you award, you know? These movies are all so different from one another that it's so hard to compare. I ended up going here with Sam Mendes for 1917 just to think about how they got all that put together. It, it just it totally blows my mind away. But that said, I think this to me is such a wide open category. I only went with two points here. And so um, my strategy here is, is to hope someone else goes big and misses on this. And uh, I, I wasn't confident enough to, to put a lot of points here. So uh, Mendes... I. I would vote for Sam Mendes, but I don't know what the Academy is going to do. So I just went with two points. Um, yeah, this this one is interesting. Um, I I agree with you. I didn't go with a lot of points. Um, I think this one is a 50-50 category. And I think it, it goes along with even the next category, Best Picture. But for me, I, I went with Bong Joon-ho. I went with the other, the other side of it. Uh, with, with five points was my confidence. Um, I think... This one I think is going to be the most interesting when it comes down to to Oscar night. Um, I don't know how, and I went with low points for the same reason you did. You did is hope someone is very confident maybe about Sam Mendes because that's kind of been the pick going into Oscar season. But lately there's been kind of a swell uh, of, of Bong Joon Ho and and he's kind of become, um, I guess maybe like a five percent favorite. <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 interesting to see, but. Um, I, I just don't know with this one. So I, I went with lower points with five and went with Bong Joon-ho. When normally I, this is like a higher percent, higher point total uh, category for me. So uh, I'm, I'm going lower this year on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned earlier Greta Gerwig. Would you pluck anyone out of this list and replace them with Greta? Hmm. That's tough. I would, maybe Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's it's hard, right? Cuz and and this is the we had a brief conversation about this back when we talked about the nominations. Like I of course w- want there to be more female nominees, but these all seem pretty deserve pretty deserving nominations. And I'm not saying she she wouldn't deserve one, but um this was a tough year for directors specifically mm-hmm. cuz they're all doing and even in The Irishman, you know, and I, I didn't I have not seen it, so I don't know, but um to to know you're going to do the de-aging and have to direct around that uh, I'm sure it was a difficult task that, and they filmed 90 hours of footage. So um, <laughs> between those two, th- I'm sure it was a difficult task. Uh, Todd, what Phillips was able to draw out of Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is what landed him here. That's yep. Yeah, that that's exactly it. Because I think the movie itself was was fine, but what brought it what, what brought it to the next level was 
uh, Joaquin Phoenix and his performance, and they talked about that. Like uh, Joaquin has talked about in interviews, like Todd Phillips was an essential part of that. Um, he he let Joaquin he let Joaquin go to some crazy places and just kind of let let him run with it while also keeping the reins mm-hmm. on it and giving him like okay you did that now now add this in and you know like he did what a director should do uh, and brought out one of the best performances uh, in in a very long time so I, I think that what Todd Phillips did with Joaquin Phoenix I honestly I don't like I don't know if maybe like if that was a different actor. Then Joaquin, like, let's say it was still a great performance, but not Joaquin Phoenix. He might not have gotten nominated, mm-hmm. you know, because it, that it was such a crazy performance that that Todd Phillips had such a big hand in. Um, I, you know, hey, he 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 got nominated for it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the the disadv- I, I I would seed Tarantino last in this. Now I now I think he did an incredible job, but it's just another Tarantino movie. And so he's won awards. See, he's won this award before, and so it's it's a super well executed Tarantino movie. And Tarantino movies are better than most other movies. But you talk about the risk factor and the level of difficulty, and I don't think that I don't think the Academy will see that because they've seen Tarantino do similar things before. So that's the right. unfortunate disadvantage I think he has. Are you saying though, like saying in terms of like seed it that he won't win it, or that he shouldn't be on this? Like he, if you were to take someone out. It would be him. I think he deserves. I, I think he deserves a nomination. I would keep him in, but in right. terms of these five, I might put him last, and maybe I would put Scorsese behind him. But I, like I said, I haven't seen him. It's funny though because, like, for me, um, you talk about like it's just another Tar- Tarantino movie. Even more of an example of that is it's another Scorsese movie. Oh sure, it's really good. It's really good. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed both these movies. But I think there's more of a Tarantino stamp on Hollywood than there is a Scorsese stamp on Irishman. I feel like um, the the Irishman isn't too far off of what someone else who made a mob movie could do. Again, mm-hmm. still done really well. Um, and, and he, you know, he, he does have a Scorsese stamp on it, but it does feel like a little bit of a control V or control C uh, <laughs> than, than, than what uh, Tarantino did. So, yeah, I dig it. I, I agree. I think, I think if it's between Mendez and Bong Joon-ho, I don't, I don't think you can go wrong between those two picks if you're the, you're the Academy. Yeah. And I know the Academy, I think desperately wants to award Parasite and yep. this would be a real statement to award a foreign director. I think they did. Um, did Coron win for Roma last year? I think, think so i think he did I, in fact i know he did because um he that yeah. was the favorite for one of the favorites for best picture too and and they didn't get that one but um uh i, I will not be shocked if, if that's the way the academy goes um but they will have one more opportunity to award parasite it is one of our best picture nominees as well why don't you take us through the big daddies here yeah we have ford v ferrari my pick uh, the Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. When I say Ford v. Ferrari is my pick, it's my my emotional pick because I love that movie. <laughs> um, but my actual pick, I did go with, you'll be happy, 1917. Nice. Um, I did nine points in this one, kind of middle, uh, around the middle of the pack. I think this one, it's the safe pick. It, it's absolutely the safe pick for the Oscar. But the safe pick doesn't always win, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it is going to be interesting. I, I think when it comes down to it, it will end up winning um, because it is such a broad category. Um, everyone votes on best picture, 
Whereas, you know, like only directors vote on director and, and all that stuff. So when it comes down to, and, and I know like a lot of people in the Academy, from what I've heard, like they'll, um, you know, especially if they're just voting on best picture, they'll just vote on what they hear, you know, um, or some, some people just vote just to vote and not even see everything type of thing. So it's, I think 1917 has, has been kind of the consensus since it came out. Um, again, there's been a push for, for Parasite, but it's it's the barrier of the subtitles. You know, I, I think a lot of people aren't going to see the movie, even in the Academy, because it's a subtitle movie. It, you know, it's a foreign language movie. I think it's definitely going to get its recognition in the foreign language, just like Roma did last year. Mm-hmm. It's going to get the recognition in that category. Um, but I think it's going to go to 1917 because it is when you if you were to just put a put a, a, a magnifying glass over all of these movies you would see like 1917 says Oscar right on it. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, it's an Oscar movie. So I th- I think it'll, I think it'll win, but I, again, I don't feel super confident about it. So I, I went with nine on this one. Yeah. I think, uh, I, again, this was, this was as much my emotion talking as anything else. I put 13 on this for 1917. Uh, so I'm all in or as, as close as you can get to being all in. Um, this is one, it's not often that this happens, but my emotional reaction to a movie seems to have matched up with its critical response. Um, it, it's made a ton of money, and there's no, there's not really any controversy about 1917. Like, the, the Joker, was the, Joker was the first movie I threw out, because I, I don't think the Academy can call that best picture with all of the hairiness just around it. Um, and everything else here, I think there's a lot of really great movies here, but I think that... I think 1917, I think if you, if there is such a thing as objectively good filmmaking, this is that. Like, this is just truly better at almost everything than all of these other movies. And I will not, I think if there's a threat to 1917, it's that it's a movie made and starring straight white guys. Um, <laughs> and the if the Academy gets the way the Academy sometimes does and wants to go outside of that box then I could see maybe Parasite being being the winner here. But um, it's the safe choice sometimes is the best one. And I think that's the case here uh, with 1917. It's the best movie that I've seen in a very long time. I stand by that a couple months after having seen it. Um, and uh, I'm, again, it's this is one I'm willing to lose over because I really do think it was the best movie made last year. So we got uh, we got uh, quite a few picks similar, um, but we want different picks, different points, I should say, on a lot of things. Uh, and we have a, a little bit of variation. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think we need to worry about you and I tying, uh, but we'll see <laughs> what uh, what the other competitors choose to go with. Again, y'all have the advantage and, uh, you know, you, you well, do, do with it what you will. Don't. They really don't have the advantage because I picked everything right, so it doesn't matter what they pick. <laughs> a perfect score. If if anyone gets a perfect score, um, I don't know. Seth will send you a topless photo. How's that sound? I mean, if you want it, I can do it. Even if you don't get a perfect score, <laughs> hit him up at Seth O'Ott for your topless pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be a good one. I'm excited. Uh, no real host yet again. Uh, similar to last year, so a lot of different presenters and stuff gonna be coming up. I'm excited to see the show. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be some surprises and, uh, I just like watching the Oscars. So, uh, very excited to see how everything turns out and we will see who's the champion. So once again, hit the link in the description box. That's going to take you to a Google doc, download the Google doc, make your picks, email it to me at SoCoShow91 at gmail.com. I'll put that in the description box as well. We want to see a ton of submissions for this. So tell your friends 
And uh, at the very least, the winner will be taking home a digital copy of Booksmart, uh, one of our favorite movies of last year, uh, and potentially even more prizes. We're working on digging up some more. So more to come on that. We are also uh, a programming note. Um, we, we're we trying to figure this out scheduling-wise, and we don't have it in stone yet for um, for this weekend. We're, we're hoping to be able to do similar to what we did last year with a live reaction. Uh, not live to you, but next week's episode may be our reactions in real time to the awards uh, that went out during Oscar night, but we're not sure if scheduling is going to work out yet. So it'll either be that or we'll recap the Oscars on next week's show. Uh, so one way or the other, you're going to hear about who won on episode 131. So make sure you come on back for that. Uh, if you have any questions about the Oscar game and how to play it, you can always hit me up at underscore Cody Michael on Twitter or on the Facebook page at SoCo Show Pod. So again, uh, get your submissions in before Oscar time and we will score them right along with Seth's and mine. I'm feeling pretty good about my picks. Uh, I, I think I got you. I think I got you beat this time. You've beaten me both times, and uh, I think this is my year. I really do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said that last year, too. Uh, anyway, and yeah, I got crushed before. last year. I was awful. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for Oscars. Uh, we're going to keep talking movies. we got a bunch of things to review, so let's jump into it. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. Alrighty, so a, a really interesting mix. We've got some classic movies. We've got some brand new uh, movies. There's a documentary in here. There's a couple movies that released um, just this weekend. Let's start there, Seth. Uh, two two of the major releases. Uh, I went to one on my own, and, and I'll start with that. I saw rhythm, the Rhythm Section starring Blake Lively. This is produced by the same company, uh, Eon that produces James Bond films. So this is kind of uh, another attempt at the lady Bond or the lady spy or action hero. And what I'll say about the rhythm section is it's kind of exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's, I won't say that I was disappointed because it held my attention the entire time and kept me interested, but it didn't do anything that atomic blonde didn't do. And they're very similar movies. Um, to me at least, and I thought Atomic Blonde did a lot of things better. So if you're if what you're looking for is a movie about a badass woman uh, taking down some people, watch Atomic Blonde. Uh, but I will say, I, I liked Blake Lively in this. Um, her performance was good, but there, there you've seen all this before. It's a classic revenge movie a la Taken or, you know, what? It, she's going to go, she's going into the teeth of the beast and she's going to take down the people that took her family out. And... There, there aren't many surprises here. And so I, I honestly don't have a lot to say. Blake Lively is, is good in this. Um, nothing, you know, she's obviously not going to be nominated or anything like that. So it, it's not one that I'm going to recommend you go to theaters to see. I think it could be a very enjoy, very enjoyable home video watch. But, uh, you know, it, this movie was pretty squarely fine. You know, I had a, I had a perfectly okay time at the theater. But again, not a high recommendation for me. But I'm not shitting on it either. It's not terrible. Uh, just kind of squarely in that middle ground, which is where I expected it to be, and uh, it's exactly where it landed. It, if I have a complaint, it's that the movie moves pretty slowly through a lot of long sections, um, but the action is pretty tight. Blake Lively's good, so if you want to go so see those things, then I would give it a thumbs up. Otherwise, wait for home video. Yeah, I probably won't see this one, but uh, doesn't it, I don't know. It just yeah, like you said, it sounded from what I heard, it sounds it's it's boring and and 
you know, I don't know. For for me, it just didn't. I'm not a huge Blake Lively fan, to be completely honest. I don't think she's a great actress, and I know she's not the problem with the movie, but she's not drawing me to a movie theater. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. I would agree. I think the slow it is a little boring at times, and she's doing good work, but it's not enough to carry the movie to new heights. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the title, the rhythm section, is. The, the the reason for that title is barely glossed over. I know it's the name of the book that it's based on, but um, they just barely skim over the reason for that being the title. And so it, it ends up being kind of a confusing, dumb title also. So that's that would be my complaint. Um, the other wide release from this last weekend was Gretel and Hansel, which uh, a new fresh take on obviously the very famous old folktale uh, Hansel and Gretel. So they flipped the names. This stars Sophia Lillis, who you know from It, uh, and also It Chapter 2. She plays the Beverly Marsh character as a young child. Uh, Seth, I'll let you... Sharp Objects. As well as Sharp Objects. And and Seth, I'll let you go first here on Gretel and Hansel. Um, But uh, like I said, a a fresh take on an old story here. Yeah, I I guess fresh. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, they do do go some different places with it, and... uh, kind of change up what you know about the story for me though i i think the story itself um i i found myself pretty bored with this one um i i, I think the movie moves real slow uh, i think that by the time we get to the end of the movie where they kind of have some big reveals um i i wouldn't say i was lost i just didn't care that much um i did really like sophia lillis uh and I think that she she's proven that she she can lead some stuff. Um, and I, I've really grown to like her over you know the two it movies and Sharp Objects as well. Um, I thought that the the score was really good in this one. I thought that some of the choices with the cinematography were really cool. Um, the aesthetic was like kind of creepy and, and interesting, but the story itself was not interesting. I, I was just not really entertained by it. And it's not a very long movie, but it felt super long to me. Um, so I don't know. I, I didn't didn't really like this one. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's not even ninety minutes. It's like an hour and twenty eight minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the 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 reason that the story wasn't compelling is that there there really isn't one. Like it's Hansel and Gretel. They they happen upon the witch's house. The witch tries to eat them. Like that's that's the story. They add a couple interesting elements to this. I think that there's something here. Uh, I don't know who directed this, I, and I'm not gonna look it up either. But Oz Perkins. Okay, Oz Perkins, who directed this. I, I think that. I think that there were flashes of kind of style, um, stylistic choices that I, I see promise in, but this felt to me, honestly, it felt like an A24 movie not done very well. Um, it, it moves yeah. very slowly. It's a lot of very ethereal, very long hanging shots like you've seen in, um, I don't, I'm not comparing this movie to Midsummer, but it does some of the things that Midsummer sets out to do, right? It's don't re- you fucking dare. <laughs> really long, unsettling shots. You've got a the main character here who's just kind of floating through this movie in a haze for whatever reason. And I thought the kid that played Hansel was a little annoying. Um, the, the witch was yeah. sufficiently scary to me. I thought that was a little bit of a highlight. I liked the witch. Um, but I would agree with you. This movie just didn't do a lot for me. And they didn't have a lot of source material from which to work. I didn't love Sophia Lillis in this, really. I, again, I thought she she just spends a lot of time staring at the camera. Um, and I know that's what they were they wanted her to do, but it, it didn't grab me. 
Um, there were some interesting horror elements that reminded me of some things I've seen in A24 films that I thought were cool, especially as you get near the end of this movie. They don't do fully what you would expect. And the way everything folds out, to me, it was it was different and interesting enough. Um, but I'm agreeing with you. I'm not going to recommend that people see this. Um, at the very least, you can wait to home video to watch this, but I, I'm not going to say people need to rush out to the theater at all. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's got it, it's got flashes to me that show promise, but as as a whole, I think a, a, as disappointing as Hansel and Gretel can be disappointing. Like we didn't expect a lot out of this, um, and it didn't overachieve. I would say that that would be the that would be my summary of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with with a lot of what you said. Um, again, things I liked in it, but. Overall, I, I I don't know. I was expecting from some things I heard of it. I, I was expecting kind of more, even more of like a uh, of a of a different take and an A twenty four type style to it, and it, it just it all felt kind of flat to me. Uh, and I was really looking forward to it with Sophia Lewis because I again I've really enjoyed what I've seen of her as an actress. But as much as she does in this, I, I just don't think it's enough to to recommend it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Uh, let's get into, so these other three are kind of unique movies and maybe we can be quicker about them here, but, um, let's go to, so I will just give my very quick review of Parasite. I, I did go see this over the weekend, um, wanted to make sure and get that in before I made my Oscar picks. I'll just say this. I really enjoyed Parasite. Um, I thought it was interesting. It was thought provoking. It was well acted. Uh, after a little bit of time, I settled into the subtitles and they were not a distraction at all. Um, you, you can see, because Korean is a similar enough <laughs> language to English, uh, they're emphasizing the same notes that you would if you were just speaking English. And so it made it more easy for me to connect with the performances that the characters were giving, right? Because even if I didn't know in exactly what they were saying, I could feel what they were trying to get across for the most part, which I thought was an achievement. Um, the social commentary here is super interesting. It's a twisty story. The twists in this are not at all. I had no idea what to expect from Parasite, but that was not it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and in a good way, a lot of pleasant surprises in this. Um, and it's one that I hope to go back to at some point. But I did. I really enjoyed this one. I I cannot in good conscience even compare it to 1917 uh, as a best picture. I, I know some people are, but to me, and maybe it's just my taste, It's they're incomparable movies. Um, but I, I did. I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's deserving of all the love that it's getting for sure. Um, so that was, uh, that was a pleasant surprise. I might not have seen this if it wasn't nominated for best picture. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that I did. And it was a fun one to catch in theaters too. It was a nice experience. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said there. And, and I kind of want to go back. I've, I haven't seen Snowpiercer, which Bon, bon Joon-ho directed that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to go back and watch that one. Cause that, that also apparently makes some, some cool social commentary type statements in it too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one uh, may still be available on Netflix. I'm not sure, but Chris Evans, and that one's in English, so that one's going to be more easily digestible mm-hmm. for folks. I've that's a movie I've heard uh, in the uh, so like we do. We miss the boat. I've I've heard other people talk about it the way we talk about those movies. Like a lot of people have seen it and love it, but there's just so many people that have never seen it. And so hopefully this gets attention mm-hmm. back to that, and so people will dive more into his catalog, which will be good. Uh, speaking of, uh, the Oscar nominated directors, I'm so glad that you got to see some classic Tarantino in the theater this past week. Oh yeah. It sucked. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw Kill Bill volume two. I, I saw the first one with you. Um, 
uh, I think we watched it like on Netflix or something uh, about like a year, year or two years. Ago. I don't even know what the fuck time is anymore. <laughs> I don't even know how long ago we we did the stuff we did. But um, but I'd watch it on Netflix with you, and I, I really enjoyed the first one. Um, seeing the second one, having the opportunity to see it in theater, in the theater, I, I you know I, I definitely jumped on that, and and um, I I think most people enjoy the first one more, but I think I enjoyed the second one just watching it more because i did see it on the theater screen Mm -hmm. um it was really cool to see on the big screen and with the sound and everything like that um i mean it's it's i mean it's the same style and everything like that as the first one it's definitely a tarantino style um i I like the way everything wrapped up with the story um it's definitely not as action driven as the first one um it doesn't have any big sequence like the crazy 88 sequence in the first one which i wish so badly i got to see that one i i I could have gone to kill bill volume one in the theater but i was like oh i've already seen it but now i wish i would have gone uh the week before in the theater and seen it because um that would have been a really cool sequence to see on the big screen but um no i mean really really great movie um i you know working back on the tarantino uh uh, catalog. I, I see why you enjoy uh, his movies so much. I'm still not as big a fan as you are, but I, 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 I enjoy uh, both Kill Bills quite a bit, so uh, I'm glad I had the opportunity to go back and see it. Uh, this week, I'm going to see um, Groundhog's Day. I'm seeing that oh, tomorrow. Nice. So I'm excited to check that. I, I almost went on Sunday because Sunday was Groundhog's Day, but um, I didn't want it to overlap with the Super Bowl. So uh, I, I, I'm saving it until today, and I may or may not go see Titanic on Sunday as well. That's kind of a long one, but um, that 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 the, the, I, I really enjoy going back to see a lot of these classic movies. So it, it's fun fun to see on the on the big screen. Uh, I think Indiana Jones is next week, oh, uh, like not this coming yeah. week, the week after. So. Uh, a lot of fun stuff coming. I, I, I'm i glad I'm taking advantage of these retro series that they got going on. Yeah, that's amazing. And those are great. And Indiana Jones in the theater again is going to be amazing. I think you're going to have a great time at that. Um, mm-hmm. I, this is so cool. I, I wish my theater was doing more of this. Uh, but yeah, to go back and see the classics that you've only watched. I've only ever seen the Kill Bill movies at home. And so uh, I'm really glad that, that you're, you're taking advantage of it. I'm jealous that my theater's not doing it. Uh, the final movie on this list, I, I'll be quick about. Uh, I watched, <laughs> I watched Miss Americana from Netflix. This is the Taylor Swift documentary, and I I've been on a kick lately um, of trying to be exposed to people who are like kick ass, right? And and just seeing like how they think and what they do, and uh, that that made this really interesting for me. You get you get a look at Taylor Swift's writing process you get to see her write a couple of the songs that went on to become huge fucking songs and so that's really cool to see her like humming along like she's like you know that song me that's a big hit of hers lately Mm -hmm. um there's a scene in there where she's writing some of it and she's going like okay and then the rhythm would go like and she's she doesn't know the words yet but you're seeing the early things the early parts of what will become that huge mega hit and it's super cool. It dives into the Kanye thing. It dives into her finally coming out politically and being an activist in 2018. Uh, it talks about her sexual assault case. Uh, they dive into pretty much everything. And I think it humanizes Taylor a little bit. I've been a fan of hers for a really long time. Uh, and so I didn't need to be brought into her camp. But as as already of being a fan of hers, getting to see her process, a little glimpse into her personality and everything was super rewarding. She just... She just wants to be really good at that, at songwriting. That's all. That's her entire motivation. 
and to see someone that committed to anything and then do that well at it is super inspiring for me. So uh, any any creative types, even if you don't like Taylor Swift, I would recommend Miss Americana. I think it, it's just an interesting look into someone who's achieved that much success. And um, you get to you get to learn some things that you didn't previously know about her. So uh, really rewarding watch. It's a tight, like barely 90 minutes on Netflix. So um, high recommend Miss Americana on Netflix. So that rounds out a, a, a mixed, I w- I w- let's call it mixed, uh, slate of films from, from this last week. Um, uh, Gretel and Hansel and Rhythm Section kind of disappointing, but uh, we, we look forward now into the month of February, which we'll have some different movies. And actually, we got to wrap up reviews here, and we're going to talk about those ac- upcoming movies here in just a sec. Mom, what do you think? I love it! <laughs> All righty, this is the first show dropping in February of 2020, so we are going to jump into our new release exam. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, <laughs> all right, folks, this is the new release exam. We do this monthly. Uh, I think we skipped it last month, but traditionally we do this monthly. We are, Seth is going to be quizzing me on the upcoming films for the month of February. This is a chance to see what the major releases are and learn just a little bit about them. Seth is going to give me five film options, and I need to get three of them correct. Now, by correct, what I mean is that I need to correctly come up with the director of the film, uh, an actor from the film, and uh, the release date of the movie. So uh, if I come up with those three items for any three of the following five movies that Seth will name, I will be declared the winner and we will continue to be called the co-and-so host of the show. If I am unable to do that, Seth will get to invent a stage name for me that I will use for the entire rest of the month of February. So the stakes are fucking high, Seth. Um, the I, I've studied very little, so I am, I am counting on uh, the film selection here to get me through. So, um, so we, we will see... Uh, what do you have for us? The movies you will be trying to correctly uh, guess are Sonic the Hedgehog, okay. The Invisible Man, okay. uh, The Call of the Wild, okay. uh, Guns Akimbo, uh-huh. and Birds of Prey. Okay, okay. I, th- I, think, I think I can get these. Um, I'll start with Birds of Prey. So that's coming out this weekend. So... Uh, What's the day? The date would be Friday the 7th. Yes. Okay. Uh, Margot Robbie obviously stars as Harley Quinn in this alongside uh, one of my favorites, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's playing the Huntress. Um, And then that director... Shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I looked at... Okay. Is Is it Kathy Yan? Is that it? Yes. Ah, yes. Okay. So I got that one in. Um, Birds of Prey. I, I, we'll see. We'll. See. I'm going in with incredibly low expectations and just hoping that it outperforms what I think it's going to be. So we'll see. Um, let's see here. Uh, I know I'm not going to get Guns Akimbo, but I'm really excited about that movie. This is Daniel Radcliffe, um, mm-hmm. and he is. Uh, he has. He has had guns bolted to his hands and is forced <laughs> to enter some sort of crazy ass death match with. Um, what, what is her name from hide and seek who you love so much? Oh, uh, Samara weaving. Samara weaving is the, the other man. So I, I don't know who the director is or when this comes out, but I am stoked to see it. What, so what, what are the dates uh, on that? The comes off the 21st. Uh, I'm assuming that's a wide release. I don't know though. It could be limited. 
Um, and Jason Lee Howden is the the director. There you go. Um, if you want to learn about Guns Akimbo, head over to... At Jared Buckendall. He did a great trailer reaction to Guns Akimbo when it came out. So check that out if you want to learn more. Let's see. There's Sonic. Uh, let's do Sonic. Um, fuck. Okay. Um, <clears throat> trying to... Okay, I think I have it. So Sonic the Hedgehog comes out on uh, February 14th, so Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got uh, Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. And then is it mm-hmm. Ben Schwartz? Is he the voice of uh, Sonic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this yep. is cool. Um, is the director? God damn it! I know the last name, and I've forgotten the first name. Is it? Is it Greg Fowler? <laughs> no. Damn it! What is it? <laughs> it's. Uh, I'll give you one more guess at it. If it's, is it? I'll, I'll give you two more guesses. Jeff Fowler? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I knew it was I knew it was a white guy. <laughs> um Yeah, I felt I mean you got the last name right, so I, I figured, you know, it's it's fair enough to give you another shot. So uh, well I certainly appreciate your I, your leniency. I'm I'm a fair and impartial judge. There you go. There you go. We were talking before the podcast. Uh this Team Soko has a high level of excitement for this movie. I, I'm I'm actually really <laughs> stoked to go see this and see how it turns out, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, I'm excited in that I think I think it's probably going to be bad, but I'm excited to see it. <laughs> <laughs> fair point, fair point. Uh the redesign uh, I think looks pretty cool though. I'm I'm glad that they took I the time. I want the old one. <laughs> you want the creepy one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh we'll see if the redesign was all for naught and if it's a decent movie. Um let's see here. I know so Invisible Woman is the one that I think I can get. So I want to save that. Uh, what what was the fourth one? Well, you got the you got the movie wrong. <laughs> Invisible Man is the one I think I could get. Uh, what was it, what was the other one? The Call of the Wild, oh. which I actually I'm kind of excited for because I love that book. I think this could be so good. I, the trailer gets me like in my emotions. Um, Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. I think is this on the 14th as well? No. Is it 21st then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Old Man Harrison Ford and just the the little bit of shake that he now has to his voice for some reason makes me like get deep. Um, mm-hmm. I will see about the CG dog. That seems a little too. I know. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I love dogs, so it's gonna, it's gonna, it's probably gonna get me. And I, I loved the book. I remember reading the book uh, early on. Um, and like I think it might have been middle school, either elementary or middle school. Um, and I loved it. I think it was middle school. Um, it probably was because it's a classic. Kids like a lot of I, I didn't read it. Um. Yeah, but uh, I loved it, it's though. one that's commonly assigned in school and book uh, hugely popular one. Uh, and the director, you probably don't know, I'm assuming. No, I don't. Uh, Chris Saunders. Chris Saunders. Okay. Yeah, I actually am looking forward to that one. That'll be one I'll try to catch. Um, the final movie, <laughs> The Invisible Man, um, which <laughs> I am also really intrigued by. So this is Elizabeth Moss, um, mm-hmm. who everybody knows, of course, from A Handmaid's Tale. Um, the release date is the 28th, and this is... Oh, I do know this. This is Lee Wannell, or Winnell. I don't know how you say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lee Winnell. Yeah, Lee Winnell, who... Uh, Australian, very popular for the Saw movies. Uh, works a lot with James Wan. Um, so the Saw movies, uh, Insidious, and then some of the Conjuring universe he's had a hand in, either producing, directing, some, or he acts in a couple of them too. Um, so this is interesting to me... I think that they're going to die. I think where uh, Hollow Man, which is a similar story, 
was centered around Kevin Bacon's character, the Invisible Man, and and he, he was a little bit like an anti-hero Freddy Krueger type slasher. And I think this is going to be a more psychological thriller from the point of view of Elizabeth Moss. And that could be interesting. What I'm worried about is that they've showed too much in the trailer. Um, so we'll see if they have extra surprises for us. But I think this could be cool as fuck. Uh, they're setting themselves up for some really cool horror set pieces. So I, I am excited for this, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to temper my expectations because I know that there's a high possibility of disappointment. But uh, Lee, Lee Winnell has sneaky been pretty good. So we'll, we'll see what they got. So that's three, right? I got my three? You got your three. <laughs> for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! It wasn't pretty, but you know what they say, good teams win ugly, and uh, I did just that today. So I feel very proud of myself, and we will continue to be the co-host and the so-host for the rest of the month. I, I, uh, I, I, I owe it all not only to my supreme movie knowledge, but also to your leniency. Uh, so I appreciate the, the, uh, the, uh, the ruling on, on that second one for sure. Yeah, I, you're welcome. I, I, you know, I didn't want to call you uh, Margot Kobe the whole month. So. <laughs> Oh, I wouldn't have hated that, to be honest. So uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe next month uh, you'll be able to come up with something um, that I'll use for March. So that is the new release exam. All these films and more releasing in February. So make sure you're checking all those out. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting month, I think, similar to January. There may be a couple surprises, but it doesn't look like a lot of great stuff. Uh, but we shall see. We shall see when we look back on February. All right, folks, with that, we are just about done. There it is with episode number 130. But before we wrap things up, we got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right. I am going to mention a show here that I know a lot of people already watch, uh, but I have consistently been slow to the party in terms of like cartoon shows that people are into. Uh, I have recently watched uh, some of the early episodes of Adventure Time. Yeah, have you? I don't know if you've seen any of this, Seth, but have you at least heard of Adventure Time? Mm-mm. Yeah, I never, I've never seen it. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, so it's another one of those very popular like Adult Swim uh, cartoons. The reason I got really into it was that, um, well, for one thing, one of my buddies and my girlfriend both pitched it as something I should watch. But also, I've I've gotten into Rick and Morty. I've really I've caught up with that, and they're in a mid season stoppage right now. So if you're into Rick and Morty and you want something that is kind of out there, uh, very creative cartoon show, um, it's not as over the top adult as Rick and Morty is, um, but it's very creative and very fun and goofy. And so it's the type of movie that, like, for me, at the end of a long day, if I can kick back with a beer or something and just relax and put something on that's, that is mindless but still kind of smart somehow uh, for an hour before bed, this is that. And the episodes are, like, 12 minutes long, so it's super easy to just burn through a few of them. And there's, like, nine seasons of it, too. So it's perfect for someone looking for, like, background TV um, or something, again, to just throw on that's low stakes, that's an easy watch. Um, so that would be my, I would say adventure time is something to check out. Um, you can watch it. I know in the adult swim app and uh, maybe also in Hulu, I think would be another place to watch it. So, um, uh, adventure time thumbs up from co. I know I'm late to that party. There are folks on there who are like you dumbass has been on for years. Uh, and that's fine. But for those who haven't, I would say, give it a shot. Yeah, we'll see. I got to finish up Bojack here. There you go. <laughs> 
And it's the the final few episodes have have dropped on Netflix. So maybe once I get done with that, there's there's some room for some more adult cartoons. There you go. Um, well, my my announcement, my not an announcement, I guess my one more thing is kind of an announcement. Um, I'm leaving the show. No, um, I uh, <laughs> uh, they, this this week. Oh man, the people at home are dancing in their cars, and you just shut them down. You're not you're not actually leaving the show. To be clear, no, I'm not leaving the show. I, <laughs> I I'm lying about that. But there was a big announcement this week about a big return uh, to our world from the '90s. Uh, it's something that I know Jared is very very happy about, um, and as as am I. Um, I'm excited to to indulge once again and uh, eating way too many Dunkaroos. <laughs> Dunkaroos are coming back from the '90s. Uh, they will be back available this summer. Uh, so for those who enjoyed Dunkaroos as a child, you can now enjoy them as adults. So be prepared. Dunkaroos are back. That's pretty sweet. So Dunkaroo, I did not eat a lot of Dunkaroos, to be honest. But these are these are the little cookie sticks, and you dip them in some cream. Is that right? Yeah, they're cookies, and yeah, they're basically cookies and cream. Okay, cookie. So okay, so what you're saying is that I am the cream. The Macho Man is back in stores. Uh, this summer, so Dunkaroos, I I like this. I, I mean, I'll try them for sure, but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it is. It's cookies and there's a little cream thing. It's kind of like those those fucking nasty ass piece of shit uh, pretzel sticks that you dip dip in the in the cheese in that <laughs> shitty ass cheese. Um, <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> but those suck, man. I hated those things. Um, that that would be like my dinner three nights a week because my dad fucking loved them. Um, but. <laughs> but uh no dunkaroos are just that but uh tastier and sugary and and with cookie cookie rounds uh instead of sticks oh so they're round they're not stick cookies okay so that's i definitely haven't had these then because i've had yeah I've they had have, stick i mean cookies. they'll say their rounds are shapes and sometimes they say d on them for uh dunkaroos of course <laughs> of course um <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise they can be shapes and things like that too sweet man dunkaroos so if you if you want to feel like a kid again get yourself some dunkaroos and watch adventure time that would be very fun there you go that's it for one more thing but i'm down to one more, one more thing all right folks uh that's gonna do it for episode 130 of the soco show uh great stuff highlighted of course by our Oscar picks. Don't forget, hit the link in the description box, participate in the Oscar game. You could be the proud new owner of a digital copy of Booksmart and potentially much more than that. Ooh, mystery prizes. And Cody's credit card number. Not that, um, but, uh, you know, Booksmart at least. Four, one, two, five, <laughs> six, five. <laughs> uh, you got the first two numbers right, four, one. So I was like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> that's that's a God's honest truth, too. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. That's funny. Um, oh, man. Yes, uh, check out the Oscar game. If you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter or Facebook or email me. Uh, all the info is in the description box that you'll need to participate. Get your entries in before Oscar time, and you'll be included in the contest. Uh, don't forget to subscribe wherever it is you're listening, uh, whether it be Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is, we're everywhere. So, uh, share us out with your friends. We certainly appreciate uh, you bringing more folks to the party, and every click helps us make the show better. Also helping us make the show better are contributors Jared B., Mike V., Fuck You, and Casey Chiefs, the newest uh, contributor to the show. We certainly appreciate all of y'all's help in improving the show, and we'll continue to do that for you. So 
with all of that said, check out our sponsors and links to everything else in the description box. Uh, we'll be back to review the Oscars, talk about the picks, and talk about who won the game. And, um, yeah, you can look forward to that on episode 131. But for now, he is the so-host, Seth Ott. I'm the co-host, Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.